and we are live. Game Break is brought to you by Edwin Thuodu. Once again, here on a Wednesday morning, giving you guys the great stuff, the good stuff, the great, great, great stuff. I'm just joking. Let me stop it. But guys, yes, we are here back for Game Breakers to once again break down the game to give you guys the analysis, the enthusiasm, the energy, and all the great stuff of sports, man. I hope you guys are having a great day so far. It is the Wednesday morning as the time of this recording. So, you know, if you are still up right now, if you haven't got up, get your butt up. If you're up right now, keep on grinding and do what you do. That's the goal right now to just get your plans in order and to put that goal into action. Put that plan into action to reach that goal. Yes, that was the correct wording. But anyways, guys. So much stuff to talk about today. Once again, so much stuff. We have a whole itinerary of things to get to. So without much ado, let's get started. And before we get started with anything here at Game Breakers, um, want to just pay respects to the sad passings of Caleb Swanigan and Jalen Ferguson. All right. So before we start anything here today, guys, let's just have a 10 second uh, moment of silence for these two young stars who passed away recently. Thank you. You know, a word about Caleb Swanigan first, right? Because I heard about his news first. Um, Purdue star, Purdue standout, played three seasons for for the Portland Trailblazers and the Sacramento Kings. A very, very, very young dude, man. 25 years of age, he passed away of un, of natural causes of death, which is very, very sad to see. You know, and there was a post that I saw recently on Instagram regarding him and his weight. And you see the difference between him and the picture of him in a Trailblazers uniform as compared to the other picture where apparently he was a little bit uh, gaining weight, overweight, you may say. I don't want to use the wrong uh, terminology here, but... The point is, is that something wasn't right. You could see that, that he was going through something. Something in his life was causing him to act a different way than what he usually was. Um, but I, I must say that, listen, at this point of his life, I, when he was alive and, and living well, I'm very, very proud of him because I feel like we don't give enough enough props to the guys who are not spoken about that, that do make the NBA and are still living out their dream and are still being able to play basketball at a high level. He was one of those players. Swanigan played for the Sacramento Kings and the Trailblazers. And by the way, it is tough to play in the NBA in general. You know, and for him to to go through all this, his lifetime, and to make it to his dream, at least he got to say that he did that. And I'm proud of him for that. And it's so sad to see him go at a young age. Um, I wasn't really too uh, knowledgeable about the player himself, but I do know that uh, I hope that his family will be able to be comforted at this time. And I hope that they'll be able to, you know, at least get past this difficult time. And also moving on to Jalen Ferguson, a Ravens linebacker who also played three seasons um, for the Ravens. Uh, I have some words here from the Baltimore Ravens and their statement from him, from the team. Uh, and they state, we are profoundly saddened by the tragic passing of Jalen Ferguson. He was a kind, respectful young man with a big smile an infectious personality. We express our heartfelt condolences to Jalen's family and friends as we mourn a life lost much too soon. You know, a guy that was also very, very young, 26, you just can't believe it sometimes. 
You just can't. And it's so sad because I know for myself, I don't want to compare myself to anybody here, but I'm young. And these guys is so, you know, having these these guys sometimes pass away at a young age is so life-changing for you sometimes, you know, because you think about it and you're just like, damn, I'm only this amount of age. I'm not going to tell you that's how old I am, but I'm only this amount of age. And these guys are passing away so soon. And I, I just wonder, why am I here on this earth for? You know, what's my purpose here on this earth? And I just hope and pray that I'm able to fulfill my purpose and I'm able to do what I need to do before I leave this earth. And I hope that those guys did what they needed to do before. But one thing's for sure, though, I do know that at least if their goal was to make it to the big stages, the big leagues, as in the NBA, the NFL, they accomplished that goal. So once again, also proud of Ferguson for being able to achieve such a high standard of life. You know, it's not easy. Once again, it is not easy to play professional sports. It's not. It is not easy to play professional sports in any league necessary. Baseball, hockey, basketball, football, anything. Soccer. Very, very tough. So when these guys do it, and those unsung heroes, those guys that don't, that, that don't get enough credit or enough props for what they do, I think we have to find a way to give them more props. You know, that that is also a job that I have to do better at in terms of just knowing more players in the league and knowing that these guys can at any point in time produce and give their all on the courts, on the fields. But once again, same thing for Jalen Ferguson. I hope that his family gets through this rough time. I hope that the locker room, also the teammates, you know, the teammates are affected in a way too. He was a part of that locker room. So was Swanigan. They were all a part of that locker room. They made some friends, I believe, you know, they were probably a, a good person in the locker room, despite them being so young, maybe not a leader yet, but, you know, you could see that they had some types of relationship with their teammate. So going back to that, it's like, well, these guys are not going to, they're going to go into next season thinking about his locker space, thinking about who was there. He was there just a year ago, and now he's no longer there. It's sad. It really is sad. But Anyways, guys, um, once again, hoping and praying for the families. Let's move on to some other news in regards to what my guy DeAndre Ayton said in regards to the 2018 or 2018 NBA draft class. So he said, and I quote, I think it's the best draft class or the best class in NBA history. Now, obviously, when you hear these such bogus claims at the time. You're like, what is he saying? Like, why would you even say that? That's stupid. But then, if you dig into the recent draft classes and the best quote-unquote draft classes in history, then you're like, mm, well, he might have a he might have a, a chance here. Like, he might be on something. He he just might. He just might. Because I'm not gonna go into the top ten draft classes that I think are worthy of uh, competing for the best draft class, but I'm going to go for the top two that I think are were the best to me, right? Um, we have the Jordan class and we have the Kobe class. I'll start with the Kobe class first. Kobe Bryant, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, Allen Averson, uh, Pija Stojakovic, Marcus Camby, Stefan Marby, Marbury, sorry, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, and it just goes on and on and on. Some other notable names there, Fisher, Eric Dampier, for Jordan's class, Michael Jordan, obviously, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, Hakeem Olajuwon, Otis Thorpe, Sam Perkins, Kevin Willis, Michael Cage, Jerome Kersey, and Alvin Robertson. Now, 
these are obviously some great draft classes, right? We get that. The win shares within these draft classes are insane. Jordan at 214. Stockton at 207. Barkley at 177. Kobe at 172. Ray Allen at 145. Steve Nash, 125. 129, sorry. But you look at the draft class of DeAndre Ayton, 2018, and you say to yourself, these guys are not that far off. I mean, yes, we can't really compare the 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 history of the other draft classes compared to them right now because these guys are still young. I mean, they've only been in the NBA for about three years now, three, four years probably. But the point is, is that I look at what the draft class is right now and I look at these individual guys who are on these teams that are doing their things, and I say to myself, you know what? For where they're selected, they might be bust, might not be. But they're still productive players. I mean, look at it first overall. Aiden, I think he's worthy of it. I mean, maybe as a first overall pick, you'd want some more impact. But he has developed into a nice top five center, in my opinion, in the NBA. So a bust? I don't think so at this point. Marvin Bagley? Yeah, it might be a bust, but he's okay. He's average. He's okay. Doncic, we already know about him. All right, not a bust. Jaron Jackson at four. He took a while to develop. He has some injury issues, but right now he's developing into that not a bust stage. Before he was, but now he's not a bust to me. He had a great year last year, uh, a great defensive year, and a great year offensively too. You know, he's playing good. Trey Young, not a bust. Mo Bamba, mm, probably a bust leading to that side. Uh, Carter, Wendell Carter, number seven. Mm, yeah. Colin Sexton at eight. Okay. A guy, another guy who... For the Cavaliers at eight, I mean, you would probably want a little bit more, but from what he did last year and from the, the year before of taking over, quote-unquote, and being that lead scorer before Darius Garland came in there, like, we can't forget about this, man. Darius Garland is a great player. Garland is, is a great, fantastic player. But Sexton was that guy before he came in there. Don't get it twisted. I mean, they were a great team regardless, but Sexton was the guy that commanded the – defense to make him a focal point every game and he was a great scorer and I wonder exactly how great of a team they would have been with Sexton on the floor if he would have stayed healthy maybe they wouldn't have been the same type of team I guess so but he does add that extra offensive threat for the team moving forward when he does return back from injury and he does have a chance to you know work within the system and listen the Cavaliers are still on the rise they are still on the rise okay so he's a good pick Mikel Bridges at number 10. Okay. Defensive player of the year nominee. Mikel Bridges for the Suns. Yes, 3 and D kind of player. The best, the, the example of the 3 and D kind of player in the NBA. Okay. Shy Gilgis Alexander at number 11. All right now. Not a bust. Not a bust. Now, it, it's it's unfortunate that we have to sort of put this guy in, you know, leading towards that bust category. Michael Porter Jr. at 14. Very, very sad. Because we see that when he's on the floor, he does wonders, right? He's a great scorer. He's a great three-level scorer. Tall. He he gives that mode over Kevin Durant where he can pretty much score over anybody. And he has that instant offense factor. But because his injuries have derailed him, he's leaning towards that bust status. And it's been about three years now. So, you know, for me, my timeline is, Give the player three years, see what he could do within those three years. If he looks like he's the part, or if he's given more flashes than not to develop, then yes, you could definitely keep him. And I won't really consider him as a bust. 
but since he has had those injuries, uh, I'm not really too sure exactly how it's going to work out in the future. Dante DiVincenzo at 17. Mm, okay. Mm, not really. Lonnie Walker, a very, very, very interesting name. At 18, Lonnie Walker last season was a great piece for the Spurs off the bench. Very, very deep class so far, right? I'm naming you guys the names that are pretty much, out of all these names i named so far, maybe about two of them, three of them are leading towards bus status. But Lonnie Walker, for me, from that for that pick, he wasn't a, a, a lottery pick. So for where they got him, he if he can develop into that nice bench player, then okay. Okay, maybe even a starter too because you saw his offense take off last year, guys. I mean, he was hitting some... Very, very, very difficult shot. So, yeah. Kevin Herter for the Hawks. All right, now. Three-point three, uh, three scorer. Has nice step-back three-point shooter. <laughs> you know? Okay, not a bad pick right there. Arfany Simons. Come on now. Now, that is a great value pick. A great value pick for them. Did you see what he did last year? Did you see? Come on now. I'm just saying. Uh, we have Robert Williams. Oh, Jalen Brunson. Oh, these guys are in the mix too. Robert Williams that was blocking everybody in the Warriors in the finals game. One of the best rim protectors in the NBA. Jalen Brunson. Go get your bucket, Jalen Brunson. Oh, that guy. The guy that, that broke out this year in the postseason. The gave the Mavericks another avenue of scoring. That guy. Devontae Graham. Mitchell Robinson. Gary Trent Jr. Shake Milton at 54. You know, they have a chance. I'm not going to go crazy here. I'm not going to compare them to the big greats just yet because I think it's way too early to say that. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, like, out of all your 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 members in the draft class, you see you haven't won a title yet. Bagley have not won a title. Doncic has not won a title. Jan Jackson, Trey Young, Mobamba, Carter, Sexton, Mikel Bridges, Shadigan Alexander. Um, uh, also, what's the name? Well, Mikel Bridges and um, Miles Bridges, too. I forgot about Miles Bridges, too. Miles Bridges. Hornets announcing Miles Bridges. You know, that guy. Forgot about my guy, Miles Bridges. He's going to get a, a re-signed offer from the, from the Hornets, who we'll talk about later on in the show. But so far, none of these players have won a championship because it's early. They're all in their third years, going to the fourth years, fourth seasons. So I get it. It's a little bit way too early, way too early to predict that this class will be the best class in the NBA. But from what I see and from what I have analyzed so far from the basketball's point of view of watching these guys play every night, I can say that they have a good chance to be one of the best, easily one of the best draft classes in history. That's one. And two, depending on these players and who wins championships and who does what they do, to help teams win these championships, then I can say that they have a, a case, a strong case to be made for a top three, top five uh, NBA draft classes in history. But it's too early for me because look at Jordan, look at Stockton, Kobe, Nash. These guys broke records. Even LeBron James draft class. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Kamala Anthony, Chris Paul. like Those guys right there are, are legends. Hall of Famers. So I can't really, I don't know exactly the trajectory of these guys just yet in terms of how well they're going to produce 
later on in the future to become Hall of Famers. But it is still a deep draft class, you know, but they can't really consider themselves a deep, I mean, the best draft class in the NBA if we don't have at least five, six Hall of Famers from this class. I'm being honest here, you know, I'm being honest. We have Doncic already there. Trey Young maybe has a chance here. Um, DA, mm, I'm not even sure about that, to be honest. I don't know. I have no clue. What I do know is that for the bulk of the draft class, it's much more deeper than the other draft classes I've seen in the past because, one, I did not really watch some of these players growing up because I was too young, yeah. And, two, um, I just see a little bit less standout names in the other draft classes than I do in this in this draft class, once again, because of my age and because of how long I've been watching basketball compared to these guys when they, when they were playing. But the point is, is that, one argument that they do have is that they have a deep draft class. Now, deep draft class doesn't equate to Hall of Fame draft class or the best draft class, but it is a great start. It is a great start. Moving on, let's talk about the Hornets. Charlotte Hornets are reportedly have a real trade interest in Lakers star Russell Westbrook as they look to free up some cast space and hopefully re-sign Miles Bridges. What I must say, Hornets... So bad as a Hornets fan right now, if I'm being honest. It is very sad. I mean, you get spun, you get spurned by Kenny Atkinson. He returns to the Warriors, doesn't want to coach you guys up. I thought that was kind of shady, if I'm being honest here. He has, yeah, yeah, he has a choice. You can do whatever you want. Now, I mean, you can't tell him nothing at this point. You can't tell him nothing. But the point is, is that, yeah, that was kind of messed up. I'm just saying. Now they are in the running to sign Mike D'Antoni. Oof. Oh, man. I don't know about that. Huh, I'm not sure about that. And then now we have also these rumors about trying to trade for Russell Westbrook, getting a bad contract, and pairing him up with a mellow ball. You see, Russell Westbrook is a guy, listen, don't get it twisted. I love Russell Westbrook. I really do. I love the confidence. I love the energy. I love the his offensive game when it's efficient is really, really good. I mean, you can say that about any player in the NBA. Yes, I get that, but when it comes to Westbrook. When he's efficient, he's damn near unstoppable. Just driving to the paint with will and force, layup packages, dunk packages. The shooting is still not there for me. It has never been there. It was never his game. But, I mean, going off of what he can do, what he can create for other players, I get that. But I wonder, how will that hinder the development of LaMelo Ball? Will they be able to play off each other? Will they be able to make the system work? Will they be able to generate some good offensive possessions every night? I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's a, a fair question to ask, considering what we just saw with Westbrook and LeBron James. I mean, you thought that even with how we know Westbrook is and what we know he's done in the past, that LeBron James will still be able to have efficient shot selections and efficient scoring for his offenses pretty much every night when he plays. But there were times that night where their offense looked so stagnant. We had so many players here that could do something on the court, but when it comes to just to, just to simply rotating the basketball and finding good looks, they couldn't even do that sometimes. And they were very, very, very much so a sloppy team for the most part of the season. Very turnover prone. Um, it looked like they were not on the same page for any duration of the season. Any duration. Yeah, we gave him some time. He was like, okay, give him some time. They're going to find a way to figure things out. They're going to find a way to mesh 
and to build that chemistry to get to playing better and playing as a team, as a unit. Never happened. So how will that work if the Hornets, who are not in a rebuilding mode at this stage, now it's about just putting pieces together and trying to build a contender, trying to build a competitive team, trying to be able to have that foundation much more stronger because they have the foundation, LaMelo Ball. They have a nice young team. We signed Miles Bridges, Scary Terry, assuming, assuming that he comes back to the team. You know, they have some okay players, role players. Um, and Martin, not Caleb Martin, Cody Martin. <laughs> not Caleb Martin, Cody Martin. All right. Uh, PJ Washington. All these guys that I think are okay. Montrez Harrow, they traded for. So they have some pieces there that can contend for like a playing spot again, maybe a, a six seed if they're lucky. But I, I wonder is because I know Russell, Russell Westbrook is a guy that can sometimes elevate a team. Sometimes he's a guy that most of the times, actually he's a guy that will just be the detriment to this team. They're going to play some exciting basketball. They're going to be able to put a thorn in, in, in your, in your butt sometimes, right? Sting you a bit. <laughs> no, no pun intended to Hornets. Sting you a bit. But are they going to win basketball games efficiently? Are they going to be able to really be contenders? We saw a couple of years ago that when Westbrook was on the Houston team with James Harden, we were like, oh, man, Westbrook and James Harden, these guys are back together again. They're going to be a problem. You know, they won that first game against Lakers in the bubble, in the playoffs, and we're like, oh, boy. Lakers are in trouble. But then they lost four straight games. And we're like, oh, well, these guys are not that good like we thought they were. I mean, yeah, part of that was because they were playing small ball. Couldn't really sustain that kind of success forever. But the point is, is that can Westbrook elevate this team? He's he's a old star. Well, he's a 33, 34 years of age. He's getting old up there. You know, and the Hornets, I question, do they really need a Westbrook right now to help them and ascend to trying to be relevant in the East. Do they really need that? Because they have a nice foundation. They have some nice pieces there. In my opinion, they need a head coach that can help this team and elevate this team and getting them. I thought the perfect hire would have been Kenny Atkinson, but unfortunately he decided to stay with the Golden State Warriors. I don't know why, but I guess so. We had some, some reports of some further conversations that didn't really steer him in the right direction of trying to solidify this job and take over as the head coach, which I, by the way, don't understand. You know, you have a chance to really become a head coach and to make your imprint. And, you know, it is his choice at the end of the, of the day. But I do wonder exactly why didn't you take the job? I mean, why? Like, why didn't you take the job? Because you know how many coaches would kill to become a head coach? You know how many assistant coaches would kill to become a head coach, to put their own philosophy? I mean, we've seen so many great stories last season with, J.B. Bickerstaff, Ime Udoka. Jason Kidd's not really a first-year head coach, but he had a chance to become a head coach again, and this time it worked. So all these all these new, great, uh, young head coaches coming into the fold, and I wonder, why did Atkinson say no? Now, there's so many reasons that could possibly lead up to that answer, but he does feel comfortable with the Golden State Warriors. He feels comfortable in the organization in the state that he's in right now and also like he feels comfortable winning putting an imprint somewhat on trying to 
have back to back to back to back to back titles to to coach up Steph Curry, Jamond Green, Clay Thompson. You know, elevate these young players and Gary Payton the second, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman. So yeah, I guess I understand why. But me, yeah, personally, I like a challenge. So I would have taken the job. I would I would I would have taken the job. But we'll see what happens. The Hornets still do need a head coach, and now they are being linked with Russell Westbrook. But for me, I don't know exactly how that would be beneficial for this team. I think you should go the route of just trying to continue building, continue trying to make this team about LaMelo Ball with the other players. And maybe when we see him reach his peak of being great as a player, then we talk, we talk about getting another superstar or more role players that can do the job to help the team take it to the next step. More news regarding some Bradley Bill talk. Yes, Bradley Bill has opted out of, well, he, he has declined his 36 million player option for the 2022 season, and he will be an unrestricted free agent. What does that mean? It means that for any team that is looking to sign him, they have to have the cap space to do so, which will not be most likely possible because he's going to command that super max. And it also does mean that for any team, including my team that was trying to make a run at Bradley Bill this season in terms of just trying to get him on their team is most likely done because let me tell you guys something Bradley Bill he he is he's just he's keen on this idea of this whole project of trying to win in Washington which I don't understand how you're you're not getting any younger right Washington has not given you the players the pieces to really contend I mean last season they had something there but that was pretty much washed out pretty quickly. All right. And that was also due to some injuries as well, too. So I get that. But ultimately, they didn't have the nitty gritty players to really help him in the department. I mean, their best player when it came to the second offensive scoring was Spencer Dinwiddie. And we saw so many times <laughs> this past postseason, Spencer Dinwiddie taking days off, not even showing up to games because he was just absent. And that was their second best player. Can you can you believe that? Can you believe that? Now, yeah, he had more volume shots in the uh with the Wizards than he did with the Mavericks. But ultimately, when you saw the way he played with the Mavericks compared to what he played with in Washington, it's like, damn, they weren't that good at all. But the only hope for any contending team was to hope that he would opt in and that they work on a sign and trade. You know, as in with my Miami Heat, I know that we were big suitors for Bradley Bill. So we're going to sign trade, get Bradley Bill in for like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, you know, some a first round draft pick, something like that of the sort. But now that he's opting out, he's going to want some more money. And the only team that can give him that most money is the Washington Wizards. The only team, the only team. So, I mean, there are obviously are more teams. Yeah, I, I get that, you know, but. For the most part, uh, yeah, those teams are not contending teams. And why would he want to go sign somewhere else when he has committed to the idea of, or he has allegedly committed to the idea of trying to win in Washington? Which he won't, by the way. I'm sorry to break it to you. I mean, I don't think you ever win in Washington, ever, ever. There's nothing that I have seen in the past couple of years that has led me to believe that he will win in Washington. Nothing. Nothing. And their peak is being a, a playoff team. That's about it. And that's not good enough for me. As a fan, 
who who as a fan who watches the Wizards, if I was a Wizards fan, I would be upset. You know, because one, I'm a Wizards fan, so that's part of the reason why I'm upset. But two, because we haven't done anything in the past couple of years to make me believe that we are going to compete next season, next season after that, the three years after that. I mean, how long is this is this rebuilding project going to last for? I mean, at this point, they're not even rebuilding. But what are they doing at this point? I don't know. Because we know that the foundation, I guess, is Bradley Beal. But outside of that, I mean, Kyle Kuzma, maybe? You know, maybe Porzingis? That's your foundation? Like, I'm not too confident about that. I'm really not. You know, the biggest things of why I love being a Miami Heat fan, and, you know, it can go as far as not just Miami Heat, but the Celtics, uh, the Warriors, you know, right now the Suns, I guess you could say. Maybe you could could add them into that aspect. The Nuggets. These teams are always going to be the Bucks. Sorry, the Bucks, 76ers. These teams are always going to be competitive. These teams every year always have that small percentage shot of making it to the NBA Finals. Now, it depends on what they do in terms of just trying to acquire talent and make some moves that will be more beneficial to them as opposed to other, any other teams that are contending that will lead them to becoming an NBA champion in the future. But those fan bases are, are proud because they know that they expect greatness. They expect to see moves being made well, make you know within the next two years that helps them to win championships, to make deep runs. You you saw last season, my Miami squad, perfect example. I knew it was gonna make a, a deep run. I knew it. If if you ask me right now, were we gonna make a deep playoff run? I would have said yes last season at the beginning of the season, definitely. Yes, yes, because I knew that we would have that that team, that dog mentality team that would be able to upset teams. Yes, and we did. If you told me that the Bucks would have a chance to repeat as champions, I would say, okay, they definitely have a strong chance. They have a strong chance. If you told me that the Celtics, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I was wrong, obviously, but when they were getting this team and they were becoming one of the best, hottest teams in the NBA, if you told me they had a chance to win a championship, I would have said, of course they do. Of course. Go to the West Side. The Phoenix Suns. If you told me they would be a great team again next season, I would be like, okay, that's true. But would they be able to win the championship? Well, they had the best record in the NBA. So, yes, they would have a best chance, the best chance to win the championship. Everything would have to run through Phoenix. You know, the Warriors. You told me that Clay Thompson coming back from injury, getting back Steph Curry, getting the whole team there, Hall of Fame head coach, deep team would have a chance to win a championship and get back there again after missing it after, you know, last two, last two years or whatever the case may be. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, they have a chance. But I can't say that if I'm a Washington Wizards fan. I can't. I, I, I could never say that if I'm a Wizards fan. I can't. And I think that the best route is not trying to keep Bradley Beal. Yes, they're going to offer him the money because that's all they have. That's all they have in Bradley Bill to try and keep them relevant. He is the franchise player. He is the star player. Before it was John Wall, who we'll talk about later on, and now it's become Bradley Bill. But the point is, is that I would blow it all up. I would just get a new player. I mean, I would trade him 
So I trade him, get some pieces there, and build a solid team, sort of of what the, the Hornets are doing, right? Because you go back to the days of Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker, they weren't going to win too many. I mean, at that point, they were they were a good team with Kemba Walker, and now, you know, they had to blow everything up. They didn't really go throughout of trading him, I guess you could say, but they got rid of Kemba Walker, and they found a way to just build a solid young team. And it's coming up. It's still young, but it's solid enough to compete. And a couple of more moves here and there can make them a really good team in the future. That's what I would do with the Wizards. But they want to commit all this money to Bradley Bill, and that's not going to get them anywhere in the future. I don't know. I have no clue. Now, speaking of John Wall, John Wall, well, this player again. Okay. John Wall has opted into his player option with the Rockets, 47.4 47.4 million. The Rockets will look to trade him this summer if there is no movement and also will work towards a buyout if that happens too. So John Wall, I must say, there is hope. There is hope. You guys thought there were no hope. There was no hope of Derek Jones. I mean, not Derek Jones, Derek Rose. We thought there was no hope for Victor Oladipo. These guys came back and produced. So if these guys can do the same thing, John Wall can definitely do the same thing. All right. It just comes down to what can he do on a contender. That's the biggest thing. Derrick Rose took the route of going to New York. I mean, they had that one season of the Magic, and they lost in five to the Hawks, but he's not really going to help this team win games. Victor Oladipo, I think he was a big piece for our team off the bench. I think he he definitely did help us win some games, maybe not through scoring, but his defense was a great attribute to the team. Yes, we'll say that. Okay, and then now John Wall, depending on how he comes back, depending on what shape he's in, depending on, I mean, it's a lot of factors here that that goes into how he will play in the coming future. But also depending on what team that picks him up that he gets traded to, he can really be an asset for that team moving forward. I mean, don't forget, John Wall was a top 10 point guard in the league at one point. And I know we just talked about how tough it is to make it to the league. It's tough in itself to be a top 10 player at your position. It really is. So for me, John Wall can be a massive, massive upgrade over some of these other players. Maybe not at this point of his career because he is a little bit older. He is a little bit fragile. But depending on what team uses him and how the coach uses him, maybe off the bench, maybe as an impact player, you know, he would be a perfect player in a role of a Victor Oladipo who comes off the bench. And they have their starting unit, but he makes an impact off the bench, gives them that depth, gives them that deep storyline of trying to, you know, utilize his talents to maximize that second unit. And now we have a chance of making a run, being potent on offense, even when our star players sit down. That was what I was hoping for in Victor Lodipo. And we got that sometimes, you know, it was a bit lackluster here and there, but, you know, we'll see what happens next season. He has another full off season to rehab this time for real and to get back into full NBA shape, despite him playing with the heat in the postseason, he was never really in full NBA shape, but he was still healthy enough to play, which is why he was playing. But let's see what happens this season. when he has a full off season. I'm not sure he's going to stay with us anyway, but the point is that he's going to be a much better player. Hopefully he stays healthy and we'll go from there. That could be the same kind of role for John wall. Come off the bench, do what you do you know, minimize your minutes, but, you know, just, just, uh, just uh, be able to, to monitor his minutes so that he doesn't have any hope of, of maybe playing long minutes in the game. 
uh, consistently and possibly having uh, more of a chance to get injured. Possibly that may happen. But ultimately, I think it's a good move for whatever team that decides to go for him to get him. Now, the only bad issue is that he has this massive contract that, you know, it's not going to be great if they do decide to trade for him. Um, if he does have a buyout situation, that's the perfect. Perfect. I think the best situation for him would be to buy out and to sign with a, a contending team that would utilize his strengths to be able to maximize their team and to maximize their chance of winning a championship. For the Rockets standpoint, obviously their chances are the best when it comes to trading him and getting something for him. Even if you give a, a draft pick for John Wall, like maybe a second round draft pick, it does ultimately help the cause of rebuilding and trying to build a foundation and, and shore up that foundation of trying to be uh, a young team that you can pretty much follow the mode of the Hornets, of the Hawks maybe, and just become that team that can compete in the coming three to four years possibly. But, yeah, I like the situation. I really do. I really do. We'll see what happens in the future with John Wall. But John Wall, depending on where he goes, can be a really nice asset. A really nice asset. Now, you know what's funny? Last episode, I talked about P.J. Tucker. And I said that he wanted to opt out because he wanted some more money. And people don't understand how valuable P.J. Tucker really is. Because I am hearing reports that 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 a report just came out just now that the Hawks are interesting. They are expected to make a run for PJ Tucker. The 76ers are intending to offer PJ Tucker a three-year, 30 million contract. And you know, yeah, like I said before, he's three, he's um, what is he, 37 right now? So you can't really go past uh three years for a contract, but 30 million. 3 million, I mean 10 million a year, not bad. The good news is is that I also have reports that the Heat are going to offer him around the same kind of contract. So now it comes down to what do you want to play, Tucker? Like, do you want to run it back with the dogs in Miami? Do you want to be able to do what you do, have no state tax, have that chemistry? You know, even if even if we have a case of Tucker coming back for us next season and we win a championship. Let's say we win a championship next year. He comes back, we win a championship. I don't care what he does for the for the next two years. <laughs> because that one championship that he played a role in helping us get is more than enough for me. You know, obviously you want to be able to win multiple championships. But the point is, is that it's hard to win one championship. You know, I know the Warriors made it look easy this year. But it's, it is hard to win a championship. So let that be known that if he does help us do that, I'll be happy. I'll be content. I will be content until maybe the next couple of years and I can say, okay, let's go for another one. But the point is, is that Tucker is a serviceable player, a valuable player that you need on your team, that I think every team needs, to be honest. A guy who has some veteran mindsets in his brain, a guy that plays some above-average defense, a guy that when he has the offensive stature that he does, and he's able to play much bigger than what he, he is, you know, hustle, grit. Then we have the offensive package that he has with his floater game, the, the corner three. Very, very, very efficient. Very, very, very efficient, okay? He's not one of these guys that can't shoot. Don't get it twisted, man. He is not one of them. He is not one of these guys that cannot shoot. 
from the corner three. This guy is automatic. And I got to see that firsthand last season. We all knew that he had a nice corner three shot anyway back in the days of Houston, Phoenix. But still, the point is, is that my guy Tucker, there's a reason. There's a huge reason why he is commanding so much. And I hope that he realizes that his best chance is to win in Miami because going to the Hawks and possibly, you know, the Hawks, despite them not being, I mean, they got bounced out by the Heat in five. I get that. But despite them not really being considered favorites for anything, you have a couple of pieces here and there that you can make a run at. Let's say you get Tucker and DeAndre Ayton. Okay, now they're suddenly contenders. Suddenly they are contenders, if we're being honest, you know. And that's all if you maybe keep John Collins. Maybe if you trade John Collins, you do a sign and trade, you get another player who can be serviceable for the Hawks. Now we have a, a whole another team that is deep. Don't forget, the Hawks are a deep team. Just a couple of uh, very, very inconsistent performances from this team last year that led them to underperforming and really calling that last year or two years ago playoff runner a fluke against the Bucks, against the Knicks, against the 76ers. But to me, they have a deep team. You know, trading away Cam Reddish didn't really hurt them that much, if I'm being honest here. Did not. Because you have DeAndre Hunter, you have Trey Young, Bogey, Kevin Herter, who we just talked about in the draft class. You know, you, you have Capella, Onyeka Onkangu, depending on which guy you give up. I'm not sure who you do to, to do that. Maybe you get DeAndre Ayton. Maybe you make a run and you win that sweepstakes of getting Tucker. Not all of a sudden, they have a team that can that can contend. You know, depending on his development, you get back Sharif Cooper from the G League or wherever he's playing at this point. And now we have a nice bench player off the bench who can come in and, and give us some minutes. Oh, I don't know. 76ers. Yeah, they're trying to trade or explore options of trying to move off from Matisse Thibel. Why? Because Tucker, maybe he's not, he's not a better defender at this point of his career than Matisse Thibel, but better shot, better offensive game, and veteran mindset that can help them win a championship. What did I say before? Your timeline with James Harden does not matter. It's all about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid will shorten that timeline by a half. He will shorten that timeline by a half. So if you want to win now, you have to be able to win now. All right? So, yeah, I get it. These teams are going to be interested in, in Tucker. I get it. He plays bigger than his size. I'm just hoping. And once again, I'm going to say this once again. I love watching P.J. Tucker play. I, I really do. I love watching his intensity. I love watching his enthusiasm of the game. I love watching his hustle. I love watching his simplicity of the offensive game and just the floaters and the layups and the, the three-point shooting in the corner. It doesn't go anywhere else. He will never take a top-of-the-key three-point shot, probably. He just camps in the three-point corner, and he just hits some threes, all right? But even though as much as I would want my team to make a run at signing him, I don't want us to throw the bank at him. Because throwing the bank at P.J. Tucker is not going to help us win a, a championship. Now, re-signing him for, what, three years, $30 million is a good contract for me. I think it is. Because what do you get? You get veteran. You get a veteran presence. You get a, a locker room leader. You get, uh, you get a good defender. And you get some reliable three-point shooting. 
three and D kind of player. You saw what we gave to Duncan Robinson at this rate. Those are the rates for three and D kind of players anyway. And I actually do think that Tucker's contract would be much more deserving. If I'm being honest here, from my standpoint of what he brings to the team. But I, I would say that giving Tucker that money is no issue for me at all, at all, at all guys at all. So We'll see what happens. NBA free agency will start in a couple of days or so. So we're going to get to see the NBA free agency frenzy. I cannot wait. I cannot wait because you know me. You already knew what we were talking about with the NFL free agency of trying to just keep intact of what was going on for the news and the, the breaking news and all that. So imagine how NBA is going to be. They don't call it NBA frenzy for a reason. NBA free agent frenzy for a reason. So I can't wait. I cannot wait, man. It's going to be great to see what these teams do to either lessen their chances of winning a championship or to boost their chances of winning a championship next season. We'll see what happens. By the way, before we end the show, Deshaun Watson. Oh, boy. More Deshaun Watson news. But actually, in his case, some good news. Deshaun Watson has settled 20 of the 24 civil suits, civil lawsuits filed against him by a woman accusing him of sexual assault or misconduct all right today which is uh i believe that was yesterday uh is a statement by uh akron beacon journal uh bubsy uh busby sorry today i announced that all cases against sean watson with the exception of four have settled we are working through the paperwork related to those settlements once we have done so those particular cases will be dismissed the terms and amounts of the settlements are confidential we won't comment further on those settlements or those cases. Okay. And noted that Ashley Solis, who was one of the first women to file a lawsuit against Watson, is still not budging. I mean, do your thing, Queen. Do your thing. Listen, because it doesn't matter 24, 20 of the 24 will settle. Doesn't mean that your has to be settled either at this point. Listen, do your thing. But at least in his case, this is some inspiring good news to hear that it's getting a little bit better for him still kind of weird we'll never forget about that still kind of weird but it's still some good news for him all right and once again going back to nba yo the moves that are happening that are about to happen it's about to be insane insane guys insane i hear the celtics are interested in the the 28th overall pick and the warriors pick you know couple of teams are interested in the eighth pick overall. It's about to be crazy. And by the way, you thought I forgot, but the NBA draft is tomorrow, Thursday. So get your get your eyes ready. Get your get your notes ready. Get your mindset ready. Sit down and be glued to that TV. Because that's what I'm gonna be doing. You know, here at Game Breakers, we're gonna be doing that. Watching the N- NBA draft tomorrow. All right, some great, 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 and I say great, great names. Now, yes, we don't really give the coverage too much of the NBA draft compared to the NFL draft because it's a little bit of a different kind of feeling, but still, there is some coverage here. I'm going to read you guys the top mock draft that I have seen on the board so far. Magic select Jabari Smith, Thunder get Chet Holgram, Houston Rockets select Paulo Bonchero, Kings get Jaden Ivey. Pistons get Keegan Murray. Okay, not bad, not bad at all. I think the best draft, uh, I think the best pick for me would be Chet Holmgren. 
that's just my opinion. Chet Holgram, yeah, that's that. I think he's a he's a beast. From Gonzaga, that guy has it all. Has the whole package for me as a power forward. You know, uh, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can develop his 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 game. That's my favorite pick of the draft so far. You know, there's some other places too. Uh, we're not we're not gonna go through the whole entire uh, mock draft, but at ten, the Wizards are gonna uh, so, uh, allegedly draft Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Spurs have three draft picks. That's gonna be interesting to see. They have to hit. You know, the Spurs to me, they're doing what the Hornets are doing. And actually, no, they they are where the Hornets are. To be honest, a team that is young, that is building a contender, that is building a not a contender but a solid foundation. And that is building a team that can sustain and that can be contending in the near future if everything hits properly. So I love the Spurs. You guys know last year I was all about the Spurs. I even picked them to make it to the NBA playoffs last year. But, I mean, they they didn't do that because they lost to the Pelicans. I get that. But point is is that they have three first-round draft picks, or they have three draft picks in general, and they're going to have a chance to really put their stamp on things. Yeah, three just first round draft picks. Yeah, they have the twenty fifth. They have the twenty the twentieth overall pick, and they also have the. Let me see right here. Let me see right here. I, I just lost. Oh yeah, then the ninth pick. Yeah. So, what are you gonna do? Maybe we have some more movement in the draft, trading up to get the most valuable player. Maybe you select the the best two impact players, and you do something with that third pick. I don't know, but Spurs keep an eye out for them. Keep an eye out for them. The Knicks at 11, yeah, it's always about the Knicks just trying to find ways to add on to this team. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, also, another team that I'll be watching, the Timberwolves, will they be able to infuse some more young talent to this side? The Hornets at 15, yes. Okay, they're going to project it to draft Mark Williams as, as, from Duke, a center. Okay, maybe they get him. Maybe they don't want to get a DeAndre Ayton anymore. I don't know. Maybe oh wait that sorry that, that was the that was the the Hawks. Maybe they they solved their problems as far as getting some talent at the biggest position on the court center. All right, we have the Grizzlies. We already know the Grizzlies have their ways of developing talent. Twenty two. All right, the Heat. Twenty seven. The Heat are expected to draft or not expected, but they are allegedly going to draft Nikola Jovic. And I've seen his highlights. He can shoot. But do I want another guy who can't defend, who who is slow, who has no lateral movement? I'm not too sure. But his offense, though, offensive package is pretty nice. Pretty nice. The Warriors, any player that gets drafted by the Warriors will have a chance to become a great serviceable player for that team. And so far for their draft pick, they have Jake LaRavia. Jake LaRavia, yes, from Wake Forest, power forward. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. You know, so I'm just going through the mock draft here, guys. But the point is, is that it's going to be a really, really nice sight to see watching these young players achieve their dreams of being in the NBA and getting drafted and going through this whole entire process. And I just love it. I just love it. So an early congratulations to the guys who will be drafted and those who won't be drafted. Listen, it is not the end. It is not the end. You have a chance. There are some great undrafted free agents who have played in the NBA who have made a, a significant impact. Okay. It, it goes every, it goes for every league, the NFL, NBA. There are some great undrafted free agents who have done some great things. So it is not the end. 
But to those who will be drafted, congratulations in advance. And let's see what you guys can do for your new teams moving forward. And also congrats for the teams that will draft them. Because let me tell you guys something, man. These teams, sometimes their biggest hope is the draft. Teams like the Trailblazers, the Grizzlies, the, the Magic, the Pistons, Hornets, now the Rockets, now the Thunder. We saw how many picks they've accumulated in the past to try and, and build a, a foundation and to build a young team that can be infused with some veteran uh, presence and to hopefully make them relevant again. These teams are going to bank on the draft to get them back to where they need to be, which is to be competing again. So, yeah, congrats to those teams too as well for having the chance and the opportunity to select. Now, we have to also monitor the fact of what are the teams that don't have a draft pick, what are they going to do? All right. What are they going to do? What are they going to do uh, in terms of trying to to trying to maybe trade back into the draft, maybe get, uh, uh, you know, some pieces there? I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. So I want to read you guys the list of the teams that don't have a draft pick for this upcoming draft so far on my list. Uh, I have Lakers, Suns, Jazz, uh, Sixers, or Nets will be either the fourth. Uh, okay, that's probably going to be for next season too, so we'll see what happens. But, yes, what are these teams going to do? Yes, what are these teams going to do? All right, Lakers need some help, some some young talent. They won't get it probably unless they trade back. Brooklyn Nets need some pieces. Phoenix Suns, probably not. They're probably a team that that's going to be the most likeliest to be all right. The Jazz, mm, question mark for the Jazz, question mark. But we'll see what happens. Anyways, guys, once again, some great, great content from your boy Eddie for Game Breakers. Make sure to tune in every freaking week for the dropping of the Game Breakers, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, sometimes Tuesday, sometimes freaking Thursday, sometimes Saturday and Sunday if I feel like it. But the point is that I'm here to stay. I'm here to freaking stay. Anyways, hope you guys are having a great day. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. And I thank you so much for once again tuning into Game Breakers and hopefully getting some knowledge and some wisdom from your guy, Edwin. That's what I do here, guys. That's what I do. It's my job. You know, I, I that's what I do here. So thank me. Thank me later for, my, for doing my job. That's what I do here. All right, guys. We are out. Peace.